The host of this show, Max Naist, lived in addiction for years and made lots of destructive choices, which resulted in losing friends, family, and his career. After being in jail for the fourth time, he knew he needed to make some big changes. Now, he shares the steps he took, which led to recovery and got his life back. Welcome to Fearless Happiness. 19.7 million American adults have battled a substance use disorder. 38% of adults have battled an illicit drug use disorder. But no matter what the struggle, no matter the challenge, you can overcome anything and become successful. Max and his guests share experience, strength, hope, and faith. If it's PTSD or military-related, trauma, physical, verbal, sexual addiction, alcoholism, you can accomplish your dreams. And with this show, we help others be fearless in their pursuit of happiness. This is Fearless Happiness, and this is Max Naist. All right. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are in this world. This is Max from the Fearless Happiness Podcast. I'm here with my friend, and I don't want to butcher your last name, Jeremy. How do you say your last name? Jeremy Schreifels. I was right. I was right, everybody, and I should have just said it. So I'm here with Jeremy Schreifels. Um, But you know how I do it, everybody? I'm going to let Jeremy introduce himself, uh, who he is and what he does, and then we're going to get rocking and rolling. Jeremy, please let the audience know who you are and what you do. Well, First of all, thank you for uh, having me on here, Max. It's it, it took us a minute to get it all organized and put together, but I'm super excited to be here, and hopefully we can just have a good time for a little bit, and your audience gets a little bit out of today. Uh, I am a uh, music producer and drummer. I've been doing that for a little over 20 years as a professional, and by professional, I mean getting paid for it. We don't have real high standards sometimes in the music world, so we choose to say that we're professionals if we were paid for it. So there we go. Um, <laughs> but I have been supporting, uh, supporting my family and that's what I've been doing full time for the last just over 20 years. And along with that, uh, I've been graduated from just doing the touring drumming work to doing more studio driven stuff. And so doing producing albums and doing songwriting and kind of more involved in the actual creative process which for me that's where my you know that's where my heart is and that's what i really love to do is to bring stories alive um is the best way i can i can put it because i take people's words and thoughts and emotions and turn them into a song something that they can share with the rest of the world that is impactful from their space so that's what that's what my career has been for the last 20 years. I've really enjoyed that. Um, it's transformed into some new things as of late. Um, but I think we'll let ourselves get to that point when we are ready for it. Awesome. Yeah. And I, what, what he means, Audie, he's a best-selling author also. So we're going to get into that as we go along in this interview. So he's just an amazing man. And I'm, I'm, I'm just getting to know Jeremy, but... Uh, you got to understand, like, I, I'm an observer of people and whether it's, you know, here in person or on Facebook or whatever. And Jeremy is just he's just an amazing individual. And I'm not talking because he's a drummer in the music industry. It's just how he treats people. Uh, so I appreciate you, Jeremy. Um, wow. Thank you. Uh, and what I like to to do with my audience, right, with my guests is because um, this whole the whole purpose of Fearless Happiness podcast is to show the world that doesn't matter where you came from, 
but mm-hmm. everyone has gone through challenges. So I like them. I like my guests to sh- uh, share with the audience some of their challenges they've gone through, how they've overcome come them, and how they've become successful by overcoming those challenges. So if you would, Jeremy, share a little bit about your story and like some of the challenges you've been through um, <laughs> with my audience and, and give them an idea of who you are. Right. Well, I talked about being a musician. So I think the best place to start is why and how I decided that that was my path and what I needed to do. Um, when I was a teenager and like most of us, you know, it's not always the greatest time in the world. We're all rebels at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a teenager, I just, I had a really hard time at home. Um, I kind of didn't get in with a super great crowd. Um, I didn't go super negative or, you know, um, I wasn't getting in trouble, but it just, it wasn't a good, it wasn't a good home life for me. Uh, there was a lot of negativity in my space um, and it just wasn't a happy space for me. And so I got into um, alcohol at a very young age, at age 13. And and that was kind of uh, my hiding space is probably the best way to put it. Uh, that was my hiding space for a long time. And I didn't know that until later. But as I kind of got to about age 16, I had just kind of had enough. And I had was driving on a road I had been on a thousand times. And that day I just, I decided that I was going to try to, I was going to take my car into the river because it winded along a river and I was just, and I went for it. I turned the wheel. I went to go into the river and the car hit the, the gravel on the side of the road. And for some reason, my body had a freeze moment, which is interesting because I don't ever have freeze moment. <laughs> um, I'm a, I'm a fight, not a freeze. Right. And so I froze and I was stopped on the side of the road and there was a song playing Max and I'm working really hard on trying to remember what that was, but it was um, like 28 years ago. So it's really hard for me to remember <laughs> age 16 um, right. and a few other mishaps um, beyond that. So I, I stopped on the side of the road. I heard whatever song was playing and for whatever reason, it put me back on the road. It put me back on the road. And from that point forward, I, I decided to use music as the tool for me to get me out of a negative space and having that fear and having that, that angst as a teenager and angst around the things that were going on. And I, did, I dove head in. So in high school, I was in every musical thing I could, I could be a part of. And I got rid of sports and I got rid of hanging out with friends that um, were putting me in those situations to not make good choices. And I went all in and, and that was my, and that was my deal. I went into college. I had a full ride scholarship um, to be a music performance major for percussion. Cause that was, I mean, it was my passion. When I say all in, I went for it. Mm-hmm. And as I got into college about a year in, I I ended up with two tears on my wrist, um, on my left wrist, actually, one on the top and one on the side, which to this day I still have. Um, and I found out it's from, was like over-practicing because I would practice anywhere from six to eight hours a day every day in college just because that's what it takes to do it, to be a musician if you want to go on past, past college. 
I figured I found out that I had these two tears. I had to have surgery. I couldn't even hold um, a cell phone at that point in my hand and it would fall out. And so imagine being a, a drummer or a percussionist and pretty much finding out you weren't ever going to be able to play again. So that led me into a real dark time again, about four or five years of just like super deep depression. Cause I had to have surgery. I had to change my major. Um, I changed it to still something music related. So the theory and composition, which is the creative piece. And so I stopped playing music for about five to six years. I wouldn't even touch an instrument, which was very brutal, very dark. Um, that took me down a deeper, darker hole in the alcohol space, which was terrible because I was 21, um, newly married, lost what I thought was going to be my lifelong career. <laughs> right. And I went off the deep end. I just, I did. I can't even imagine like what you were going through, right? Because like you said, if you're so, if, if anybody, right, is passionate about something they're doing, right? And then they're mm-hmm. told you can't do this, right? Mm-hmm. And and like you said, you practice six to eight hours a day because you wanted to be the best percussionist that that college had, right? And then you're yep. told, well, if you keep going, you're not going to be able to do it ever again, right? I'm sure they told you that. So you need this surgery. Yeah, talk about how that that had to be a dark time, right? Five or six years to stop doing what you love, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, it led you down to the depressive road and alcohol again, mm-hmm. but yep. share a little bit about that. But then how did you bounce back from that, Jeremy? Um there were two, there were two um there were two things that got me out of that. There became a point about two years into that um where I went really dark and um, I got into a situation where I was, um, I, I've never told this story before, Max, <laughs> ever, um, that I was in at a wedding with my wife. We were way out of town and um, I, for some reason, I went all in that day, uh, that night. It was bad. And I woke up. My wife thought I was never, I wasn't going to wake up. She was waking me up. I got extremely aggressive, which I've never done. Um, and nothing happened. There was no aggressiveness towards my wife. There was no actual physical action taken, but it was at that moment that I realized that that aggression could even exist and I lost it. Um, and that was a, a real big turning moment because she's like, it's either that or me. You can either have that thing or you can have me. Mm-hmm. And it was in that moment, I hands down chose her. Um, and we literally got in the car and drove five hours home. <laughs> that was a really long car drive. Um, and so for that, after that, um, I went into counseling and did therapy for two and a half years. And I was sober and for two and a half years. And that was, th- that was the part that got me out of the, dire- the, the, the depression piece. And it helped me to accept that I, you know, I might not play for the rest of my life, but I still have music. It didn't go away. Music still existed for me. I could participate in other ways. I could teach. I could instruct. I could be, uh, I could speak. I could do all of these other things around music. I just couldn't play, which as a heart of a player, (laughs) there's just nothing worse. Um, And then about, 
at about that five and a half year mark, um, a friend of mine reached out to me and he said, Hey, I know you're a drummer. Would you be willing to come play at play at church? And I said, well, I'm going to give you a little backstory. I said, I don't know if I can do it because I was, I had a fear of that pain and I had a fear that I was going to show up and fail. And I said, well, I will do it and I will try it and I will do it once. And so I did it. I practiced a little bit and came kind of prepared and then I did it and I, it didn't hurt. I could play without pain for the first time in almost seven years. And I was like, I, I couldn't believe it. I, I, I wanted to believe it, but I couldn't believe it. <laughs> and so I did it again. I'm like, I have to see if this is going to work again. And it did. And that was the trigger point. And that was the domino that pushed me over of like, okay, I can do it. This is possible. There's something telling me that this is where I need to invest that time. And so I did. I spent about four to five years going from playing once at church to playing almost every week for a couple of years straight. Um, and then because I was doing that, I started to get that itch again. And then I started playing live. I started working. I started playing live gigs and traveling and doing some of those kinds of things. And so it finally got to a point as I was doing those things that I'm like, this is me. This is who I am. This is what I need to do. And it finally got to a point I was working like 50 hours a week doing music and like 40 hours a week in my <laughs> corporate retail management job. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I got to get rid of that man, that retail job because it was like, I was so unhappy there. And it wasn't because it was a bad space um, because the people were amazing. Many of them are still my friends to today. Um, but I, it wasn't me. Right. And that I've been on that road ever since. Back on the musical road, as they say, huh? And, you know, I mean, I think you'll agree, right? We don't always understand the path that is given to us, right? And we got to take, like, things happen where we we have to go down yeah. a certain road, right? But I do believe, right, that we go through that, right, because there's a lesson or something we need to learn about the people around us, ourselves, right? And... <clears throat> And maybe that you were taken out of your your musical, you know, passion of playing because God wanted you to learn something different, right? And, and to you know, to maybe, you know, just maybe it was to see how strong your faith was, right? And then you just you kept going, right? And right, yes, we have to do, you know, we have to do a job or whatever that is, right? To to put food on the table, right? But then God presented right. you again with this opportunity to play drums again and you took it right and um so i mean like you're inspiring me and i know you're probably inspiring the audience right now um on your story right because you just see so you're you're so humble about it right and and i can see like that story you shared that you said you never shared before so thank you for doing that with with me and my audience um, yeah, for sure. <laughs> right. And, and and this is what I want the audience to get out of this. You know, everybody's got a story, right? And and why I started this podcast, it, it, not only to have people like yourself on here, Jeremy, is just to let the audience know, don't ever give up on yourself, right? 
and yeah, you may have to go down, you know, road A instead of B for a while and then come back. But thank you for sharing that with us. So go ahead and, and continue on because I mean, we could, I want to hear some more because this is getting really good. Yeah. Well, and I want to tie one thing into what you just said, Max, which I think is kind of important. Um, I had lost my faith back when I was in high school. And that was the day and that was the time when I got it back. And so for me, that was important. Um, and I think that's important to note because ever since then, it's, it's when I choose to follow things in faith that things work out and grow. Ever since then, I've tried to do things on my own and make my own choices that were maybe on a road that wasn't paved already for me. But things didn't go very well. Um, and so following in that space and following in my faith and my family and and being a leader of my family in that space, I think has been essential. I mean, I have two teenage kids, one's 16, almost 17, one's 19. So it was important for me to show them how to grow in and through that faith, even when it's hard, especially when it's hard. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. And I couldn't agree with you more, right? Because we are the leaders of our family, right? And they look up to us. As they say, right? You, They always, I'm sure you've heard it too. They go, you never know who's watching, right? And it's usually our children who are watching how yes. mom and dad handle life, right? So that's how they learn. Um, yeah, so thank you for sharing that. Because um, it, it's like you, I lost faith probably shortly after high school, right after the military and things didn't go my way, of course. Right. So like, you know, I came up with all kinds of reasons not to have faith. And, uh, but now yep. thank God that, you know, I do. And it's not only because I believe, right. That there's this higher power, I call it God guiding me, but he shows me the people like yourself out in the world that are doing it too. Right. And that, Yes. Put one foot in front of the other and, you know, as cliche as it is, right, doing it one day at a time and, right, and so it allows us to be present for ourselves and our families and the people, right, because I believe in that. You never know who's watching, so I'm always trying to be that person you would see in front of the camera and even off camera, right, so that yes. I can, ex well, for me, right, I have grandchild number 10 coming in December, so I have wow. a lot well, of examples. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. So, um, you know, not only do I try to lead by example in, you know, my physical, but, you know, uh, emotional, uh, spiritual, all that stuff. Right. Because I want to leave a legacy just like I know you do. Right. And I want to leave a good one. So um, right. continue, please, with. Right. And thank you for sharing that about the faith, because I know for a long time I didn't have it. And I'm glad I was brought back to it too, you know, so that I could be here with you, Jeremy, and, and share this story with everybody, share your right. story. And so as I, as I went down through my music career, um, I did get to another point where um, I was playing a lot. I was playing about 120 shows a year, which meant I was gone about 42 to 44 weekends a year. And just on the road a lot, traveling across the, at that point, mostly just the Midwest, uh, kind of five, six state area, and just kind of gone a lot, playing a lot. I started to feel some pain. I started to 
And so I felt that fear kind of start creeping back into my headspace mm. because I was like, wait a minute, I've been doing this for a long time now and things were going great. And now, now it's not going great. And then I had an opportunity. And one thing that I'm, I'm like you, I'm an observer and I'm just, I'm very aware and yet I'm very good at, of, you know, connecting with people to people and connecting with, and then pushing on. And so I was able to make a connection where I was able to get some product endorsements from drum companies, which was able to bring me to um, some conferences and some places where, you know, because you're sponsored or you're an endorsee of a company, you get to go to, um, we get in different rooms, right? We talk mm -hmm. about in, in, our, in a mastermind or a network space, you know, you just have to get in the right rooms. Well, this was my first time getting in the right room. And I was with in a room of some of literally the drum masters, like the people we talk about on our on albums of decades ago. These were the people I was in the room with. Right. So like mm -hmm. kind of a little bit imposter syndrome moments <laughs> yet. Um, yet a moment of peace in that space of like, these people are just like me. They're just drummers and they love what they do. Well, I was able to connect with somebody there. His name is Daniel Glass. And we just really hit it off. And I was talking to him about some of the things that I had going on. And he's like, Jeremy, he goes, I think I can help you. And so I started taking lessons from him. And I did all my lessons over Zoom for over three years because um, he lives in New York City. I'm here in Minnesota. And that's just not really possible to take private lessons from that distance other than through <laughs> Skype. Right. At that time it was Skype. That was before Zoom was even a big deal. Right. And so he completely transformed all of my plane. He broke it down to nothing and helped me build it back up. I and that was I bet that's been like 12 years now. 10 years. 10 years. I can tell you now without a doubt, Max, I can play like a, a pretty aggressive drums for as many hours as I want in a day and for as many days in a row as I can without pain and without problems because I really allowed myself to go back to the beginning and be a student and learn and use my body and use how it works with itself to make sure that I could have that physical facility no matter what. And so that was mind-blowing. As I transformed through that, I started to feel myself transform as a player, which meant I was playing better, better gigs with better people and better musicians, what got me into new circles and new rooms and new spaces. And I just started to grow in all those. And I, I hit, I hit, a, let's call it a ceiling. We won't call it the top because the top to me is like, I'm on a tour bus playing arenas. That's the top to me. Right. And I haven't hit that yet. So let's say I hit a ceiling in my space or in my region. And I was like, I need something more. And I've, this is my ceiling. And I know I can maintain this. And when that other opportunity comes, I'll be ready for it. That's when I got back into the creative space. I'm like, I need to create. I need to help people bring their stories alive. Um, being a producer has always been something that's been near and dear to me because 
I love all kinds of music. I have an extremely eclectic listening palette and I appreciate all of them for what they are. And so I started to, I built up my studio in here. Um, this is the, this is like phase four you're seeing. If <laughs> you're only seeing it, Max, your audience won't see it. Um, but if they follow me on my, some of my social spaces, they'll get a chance to see it. But it used to be like one corner over there and one little small, tiny desk. And that was it. And so this is the full incarnation of it, which is I'm very thankful for. Um, but I started working with people and bringing their stories to life. Um, just being a good listener and having lots of conversation and taking their song lyric and their song melody and bringing it into a full-blown song and and creating that way. And so I started doing that about seven, eight years ago, and I've been doing that ever since. Right now I'm finishing up. <laughs> you want to talk about eclectic? I'm working on finishing a Christmas EP for a client, and I'm also working on finishing an EDM electronic dance EP <laughs> for, <laughs> for another client. So very different. That's but amazing. I love them both. Yeah. But I mean, me. I always like to say it's not luck that you're doing this, right? You've worked hard, right? And and you sharing about how you took lessons from Daniel Glass, right? Like those are those people I believe. So audience, whatever you want to believe, whether it's God, higher power, source, the universe, right? They, they always put people in our lives for a reason, right? Or like they say, once sometimes for a season or sometimes for for a lifetime, right? Um, yep. And it's up to us to take advantage of that fact. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but like if there's a person that's trying to, te- like with Daniel, he taught you, like now you can play the drums without any pain. Do you think mm-hmm. that's because of what you learned from Daniel and how he taught you? I know it's to be true. Okay. I know it to be true. And here's how I know. Um, After I stopped taking lessons from him, um, just because it didn't work, our schedules got too busy. um, I would start to like come home and like, I'd start to rub my forearms a little bit after shows or like the next day. And my wife would look at me and go, Oh, do you need to go take another lesson from Daniel? And that was a trigger enough in my brain to know that I was starting to go back to my old ways. Okay. <clears throat> and so it was like a, like a trigger in my brain to kind of course correct. And for a little bit of time, like once or twice a year, I would call him up and say, Hey, just, can we have a little retooling? So I could kind of reorient a little bit, but other than that anymore, if I just start to, fu- if I even feel a little fatigued, we're not talking about tired pain. If I feel a little fatigued, I go back and I think about all those things that we started in our first four lessons when I first started with them. See, and, it and, you, that and you just showed the audience, right? There, you always can learn, right? Like you had been already playing the drums for such a long time. And then here you are taking lessons from somebody else, right? Who's teaching you a different way. Um mm-hmm. That's why I kind of like, I like to sit back and observe people, right? Because I like to see what to do, right? Of course, and what not to do. That doesn't right. look like it's working for that person. So I don't <laughs> think I'm going to try it, right? Um, and, you know, it's, I mean, we belong to the same network, our same mastermind, right? And and 
I'm getting to, as it grows, of course, I'm getting to meet people like yourselves and right. Cause I'm always trying to learn how can I be better, a better pad, podcast, excuse me, podcast host. How can I be a better substance abuse counselor? How can I be a better husband, you know, grandfather, brother, you know what I mean? And, um, and I'm so glad that we got to do this show, right? Cause I just got to hear how, because in the position you're in, right, it makes you a better teacher. It makes you a better producer. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I got to I'm not saying this just to, you know, try to, but I feel honored to be doing this with you, right? Because I'm learning from you how to be a better human being because you're teaching me how to be a better human being. Um, so thank you, Jeremy. Uh, so now I want to I want to kind of go in another direction, not totally different, right? But talk about your book. Right, which is on my list to read. I got so many of you Apex uh, executives <laughs> and friends of mine. Like I got a whole stack, but I will be getting to your book soon. But tell the audience, you know, the name of your book and and what it's about and and what brought sure. you to the point where I'm going to write a book. Right. Oh, but you know, it's a really good segue because I was almost there. Um, so the name of my book is Road to Ninety Nine. And it's about writing, recording, releasing, and reflecting upon music and the process. And really what it is, is it's a, it's a personal development journey for anybody, but it's through the lens or the eyes of a songwriter and a music producer, because it's my journey. And so it's me recording um, in a written fashion how I went about from a mindset standpoint, from an actual, you know nuts and bolts standpoint and from a thought process standpoint of writing 99 songs in the year of 2020, which is when COVID hit. Um, And it was during that time that I really dove deep into songwriting because I did a lot of it. I wrote over a hundred something songs that year with a couple different writers. (laughs) That's a lot Um, of songs. And I've been averaging about 75 to 85 a year. In 2021, this year, I'm at about 65. I don't know if I'm going to hit 85 this year, but a lot of other things have happened. Getting to the book. I had been telling my wife for, I think, almost seven or eight years. I'm like, I really want to write a book. I feel like there's a book in me somewhere. I don't know what it's about or what's going on. In one of these writing sessions, my writing partner and I were talking and he's like, because we were talking about this process because we just we show up for each other every week and we write a song every week we get a 2 hour time slot we start and finish a song and then we have something to work from so as we were in this process he's like I was like man what is it going to feel like when we get to song 100 that's going to be pretty awesome and he's like it's going to be our road to 99 so that's where the book cover title the whole thing came from awesome and then i was like i'm going to write a book this is our this is my book. It was about a month and a half after I joined our Apex Mastermind group. Um, and everybody else was writing their books and talking about books. I'm like, I'm gonna write a book. And then I had about a handful of people tell me, You're a terrible writer. I can't believe you would even think about that. Why would you think you're an author? And I'm like, and so like again, I was like in this moment of like, oh, well, maybe they're right like imposter syndrome because everybody else writing books was like bestsellers and they're doing all these things. And then I had somebody, um, Hillary came to me and she was working with me and helped me 
publish and edit my book. And she's just like, Jeremy, she goes, you wrote a hundred songs. Don't let anybody tell you you can't be a writer or an author. <laughs> so I wrote the book and I released it. And that came out in March of 2022. So March of this year. Of this year? It came out. Yep. And I just, I'm waiting for the audio to finish getting quality checked. And then the audiobook will be actually uploaded and should be available actually before Thanksgiving of this year of 2022. Awesome. So that was the, that was the journey of the book, right? And it is a process. Let me tell you. I know. Um, I started my book process. It was like a long time, and it, but I was the great procrastinator, right? And um, and and yeah, I was so bad, Jeremy, right? Like, and but I was my own worst critic. Like, how can you think you don't have a story? You don't have anything to share with anybody, right? So for a long time, it was it was me. I was my own worst critic, my own worst enemy, right? And mm-hmm. And then it took a tragedy in my life, my personal life, right? Well, a few of them for me to go, one, I need to write this book. Two, it's going to help me heal. And three, mm-hmm. I'm going to prove everybody wrong that has doubted me, right? <laughs> Which I was on the top of that list. And excuse me. Um, so I, I understand the process and it, it's so... Um, cathartic to write your story whatever that looks like and then see that book in your hand i remember when i got my first copy i don't know if it happened to you but i got like tears in my eyes and i was like this is for my english teacher who thought i would never do this something like that. you know what i mean and then i had to laugh but um yes but uh, like i'm looking forward to reading your book um um i mean because jeremy's not like I'm going to tell the audience. I'm just going to be honest with them right now, right? Like I've watched Jeremy on Facebook. He posts some amazing content, but it's not flashy. Like, look at me. It's just like, look at my life. This is when you chase your dreams. This is what it looks like. And 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 thank you for doing that, right? Because then you give people permission. I think Jeremy to be themselves, to go out and be the best they can be, right? By the example you set. So, like I said, I'm I'm just so honored that you uh decided to become a guest on the show here because i knew i was going to have a good time with you so um like thank you for sharing all this stuff with my audience um what else can you share with my audience about that process of writing your book and becoming an author and all that stuff that maybe they need that push i think for me i wanted i thought i wanted to do it on my own and the other thing I thought was, if I do this on my own, I will never complete it. And so it really took having somebody <coughs> and investing in myself to, to push me to do it. And having that accountability person and somebody that wouldn't allow me to procrastinate. But I think one thing that um, specifically that Hillary did really well, especially for me, because everybody's process is different. Like everybody's songwriting process is different. Right. Um, was she said, you're not allowed to touch this right now. Go do something else. It's my turn. I get this now. So it was freeing at moments, um, although it was always like, well, when am I going to get it back? And 
do I ever get to touch this book again? And <laughs> like all those processes, those came into my brain. But at the same time, I was like, okay, cool. I don't have to worry about this right now. But which meant when it came back to me, when it was my turn to touch it again and my turn to be, I was not going to let her down. I was not going to let myself down. And ultimately, I didn't want to let my readers down. I didn't want to, I didn't want to let people down that I knew could read it and be changed. And, you know, I'm really thankful that I was able to hit the bestseller list in multiple categories when it, when it, when it launched. So I'm really thankful for that. My goal with that, as is my goal every time I, I play a gig, every time I speak on a stage, every time I, I'm doing a podcast interview like with yourself, Max. My goal is always I just want to reach one person. No. I just want to reach because if I can reach one person and change one person's mind or change um, as a blessing, change one person's life, um, I've changed an entire system because that person is going to go and infect and be part of a new si- change their system, which right. means so many more people can do it. So, you know, I'm not naive enough to think that I can change the world, but I am confident enough that I can change one person at a time. <laughs> Absolutely. And th- that's what they call the ripple effect, a ripple effect, right? You change one person and then it goes out from there and you end up changing multiple lives because of yes. what you've done and it's it's amazing, you know, and um I, I totally understand what you mean, right? Not doing it alone. Thank God I didn't write my book alone, right? I had some people that pushed me. And same with this podcast, uh, coming up on two years of doing the podcast. And and I remember when I started this process, right? Again, I'm like, I'm going to do this, right? And one of my coaches, my mentor who, who passed because of COVID um, mm-hmm. last year, um, would always ask me when we met, right? So, Max, how is your podcast going, right? And I would, (laughs) the the good old me would always go, oh, yeah, you know, I'm learning how to do this. I'm trying to get the cover art. And and then I remember it was right before he passed. Uh, He goes, how's it going, Max? And I said, well, I'm learning how to edit. And before I could finish, and, and, you know, I cuss on here sometimes, but I'm going to tell you what this guy did, right? Before I could even finish, he was like, Max fucking perfect doesn't mean done just do it (laughs) and i was like (laughs) you know when you have those moments like he's right right and then here i am like almost you know two years later uh next week i'll release episode 79 and awesome you know and it's not the amount of episodes it's the quality of people that i feel god has put in my path to have on like yourself on this podcast. So I get it right. I tell people in my day job, which is a substance abuse counselor, right? Don't do your recovery alone. It's the, it's going to be the most loneliest thing you ever do. Find Mm -hmm. like-minded people that are doing what you're doing. Right. I don't care. I always tease people. I go, I go, I don't care if you do AANACASA, AAA, just don't do it alone. Yeah. Go find some people and and do it alone, right? And like us here, I've so many friends I've gained because of a part of the network that we're a part of, right? Um, mm-hmm. it, it's amazing being an entrepreneur that 
now I don't have to do it alone. I don't have to try to figure things out, right? I have people now that have gone where I want to go and they can tell me, do this, Max, but don't do that because I'm going to tell you yes. that's a rough road. Um, yep. So this has been such an amazing episode. So thank you, Jeremy. Um, so there's thank a couple you. questions I love to ask my yeah. guests. Um, like you, I, I'm an author, right? And I wrote part, well, my podcast is the, the name of my book. And I like to ask my guests, Fearless. We're starting, we'll start with fearless. What does fearless mean to you? And what does that look like for you on a daily basis? How does that show up for you? Oh, that's such a great question. Because I feel like I had some fearful moments literally just today. Um, and I think fearless is having the courage to just look at those things that you might be fearful of. And tell them where they need to be. Probably not in front of you. They probably need to be behind you. And so sometimes that courage is, I did not want to go to the gym today. I was like, ah, it's cold out because it's 25 degrees here in Minnesota today. It's, I don't like the cold. It's like, I'm going to feel gross and I'm going to have this. And I have a fear of cold. So I was like, and then I was just like, yeah, but you're going to feel better when you get back. Right. So I just went and I did it and I felt better and I felt great. And I was like, I need to make sure that I'm ready for Max. I didn't <laughs> want to let Max down. I didn't want to let his audience down. So I'm going to the gym and I'm going to get that workout in. Um, and, and so for me, fearless is being able to have the courage to face those fears because we are not going to live fearless lives. Right. We are going to have fear that it's going to show up daily. Um, and, to be honest, I think some fear is healthy, right? We want, we need to have some of that, but the courage to move through the things that aren't a detriment to us. I think that's, that's fearless to me. Right. And, and like you said, right. That fight or flight, right? Like I like that fear. Sometimes that makes me fight for what I want. Right. Instead of cowering down and going, Oh, I can't do it. Right. It's like that yeah. kick in the butt I need, right? To overcome that <laughs> stuff and go after it. So yes. thank you for sharing that. I love it. My next question, as you can see, I put a why in happiness. What yes. does happiness mean to you, Jeremy? And what does that look like for you on a daily basis? Knowing I put the why in there. Right. Happiness for me is uh, waking up in the morning and having a cup of coffee and getting my brain right and ready for the day and then pouring into my family and having that be the, the beginning and the start of my day. Happiness to me is uh, being around my family and friends. Happiness is um, sitting by the beach in the warm sunshine. I, I already said I'm not a fan of the cold, so any chance <laughs> at the beach is a good day for me. Right. Um, and I think happiness the last part of that, and I'm learning this, I'm not great at it yet. I'm trying to learn this. And that is living my passion outwardly so that people can see it so that I can share it with others. You hit something kind of on the head when you said, I see Jeremy, I know what he's doing. I can see, I can tell and the humbleness Humbleness comes because as a drummer, I'm always serving others. I'm not in the front row. I'm not in the limelight, but I have a really important job. 
and I take it very seriously. And so for me, it's that service mentality and being there and being for others from that, it. from that <laughs> space. I love it. And you're <laughs> right. The drummer is like the glue that holds the band together. Like I've always believed, right? And some of my favorite drummers in this world, right? Like uh, John Bonham and um, mm -hmm. Neil Peart, you know, like those guys that keep and other drummers, of course, and like yourself, right? You humbly sit in the back, but you're the one that makes the whole band come together. I think that's what I've always believed about drummers is they're the glue like us fathers, right? We're the glue that holds the family mm -hmm. together, right? We're the examples that we get to set and more, uh, whether it's for our families or for the community or the people around us. Right. So I really appreciate that, Jeremy. Thank you for sharing that with my audience. Um, so let me ask you. Uh, so my audience knows if anybody, anyone in my audience wants to reach out to you or work with you, whether it be in music or whatever coaching or whatever how would they get a hold of you jeremy uh well you can get a hold of me on any of the social media platforms facebook instagram all those all those spaces uh the a real easy place to go is road to 99.com you can find me there and you can find the book there which is super convenient <laughs> i was just gonna well. say and a book too yeah there we go and the book is there as well uh, that's just the real easy, simplest way to do it. But yes, I'm fairly active on Facebook and Instagram, as Max knows, because we that's where we connected. Yeah, and so you can find you can definitely find me there. Awesome, thank you, thank you, thank you. So before I let before we part and mm -hmm. go back to our families, um, I ask one question of my. One last question I should say of, of my guests, and that is, Jeremy, what is one piece of advice that you could leave with my audience that will help them grow as a human being and be a better person? I think my favorite thing to always say is show up and never give up. You just need to get up one more time. And if you never give up, you're going to win because you'll outlast everybody else. I love it. Thank you so much. Did you hear that audience? Suit up and show up and never give up. I, that's amazing. If you guys got anything out of this, if it made you smile, made you think, made you laugh, made you go, hmm, please leave a review. And then until next time, again, thank you, Jeremy, for being such an amazing guest. And for my audience, until next time, I'll see you later. You've been listening to Fearless Happiness. The numbers on addiction are absolutely stunning. Max lived in addiction for years and during that time made some terrible choices, losing his family, friends, and career. But he turned his life around. And now, Max works as a substance abuse counselor helping people in their recovery. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you had fun along the way. We know we did. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit the website at maxnaste.com. Till next time, keep the fight, and we'll see you soon.